Welcome back to The Good, The Bad, and The Yummy, where I share one thing I'm loving, one thing I'm not, and one super simple recipe. Let's go. Welcome. You're on air with Ella, where we share simple strategies and tips from people who are doing something better than we are. Whether it's wellness or relationships to just living better and with more energy or changing your mindset to accomplish more in your own life and succeeding however you define it. This is where we share the best of what we're learning from the experts and we're learning more every day. Live better, start now. Hey, welcome back to the good, the bad, and the yummy. These are super cash, just a chance for us to hang out and for me to share what's going on, what I'm into lately, and what I am not. I want to share today's good with you as a wrap up also to our recent 21 days of journaling challenge. That's right. We completed 21 days of journaling, 21 days in a row of capturing our thoughts, whether it was for one minute or 10 minutes, morning, evening, didn't matter. Those of you who joined in the Facebook group have caught live videos from me in there, and we've been having an ongoing dialogue about this adventure. So some of you already know a surprising fact. This challenge, we've done 21 days of no drinking alcohol. We've done 21 days of no caffeine. We've done 21 days of walking, 21 days of exercise. You name it, we've run the gamut. This challenge changed my life more quickly and more obviously than any of the others have. What's that you say? 21 days of journaling? Okay, you know how the wellness gurus out there, they say, drink more water, take bubble baths, and journal. And that's the key to life, right? That's the key to success. Universally, it's true. Well, I tend to respond a bit cynically to things that people tell me to do that are good for me. <laughs> I mean, it's just true. And then invariably I find out that they're right and I'm wrong and that my cynicism is misplaced and that journaling is the secret to a happiness. I'm here to tell you this challenge had immediate and lasting impact. And I want to share a little bit why, but first I'm going to share some of the comments from the group. Whenever we do these free challenges, and I, I do them kinda sorta every other month, and sometimes I'll throw in an extra month, and we talk in the Facebook group set up for this, which I'll link to, and we also will chat on Instagram for those of you who are not on Facebook. In any case, I wanna share some of the comments from folks in the group because I think it'll be insightful to you, but I'm also going to share some of my aha moments from this challenge in the hopes that that might be useful to you, whether you've tried this challenge or not, or might be considering it. So Allison said, this one made me realize I need to slow down and enjoy life more. I'm always so task focused. I need to appreciate what is around me more. Gladaris said, this challenge has helped me slow down before my day starts and I feel more mindful throughout the day. Mandy said, I'm most surprised about what I am not writing about. She says, I have like a million journals and they are 97% about my weight and how I wasn't good enough for anything. These were all handwritten journals. A few weeks ago, I decided I wanted to try an online app journal called One Day. I have experienced such a huge mental shift this last month and I just realized today that I am not writing about my weight. I've got so much more going on in my life that I'm excited about that my weight is no longer my focus and it feels amazing. And yes, that is the same. Mandy, you heard just a few episodes ago. That is so cool, Mandy. All right, Donna says, I'm loving that it makes me reflect and sit still with my thoughts and make me really think. 
Victoria says, this is definitely my favorite challenge so far. It has been making me more present and intentional. This is especially helpful now as I've been working from home for so long and one day has just been kind of flowing into the next. It's all been a blur. I used to be so focused and disciplined and I miss that. The daily prompts are helping me to start thinking that way again. Jenny says, this has been my favorite challenge as well. To be honest, I don't spend a lot of time on the writing. Sometimes I have one word answers, but the thoughts or intentions carry with me for the day or even days later. It has definitely helped me to be more present. Same, Jenny, same. All right, last comment that I'll share is from Alicia. Alicia says, I appreciate this challenge. I have to say that I have been challenged. It's hard, but it helps. I am growing and becoming more mindful of what is important and focusing my thoughts on what is true. I have to say many questions have been very hard for me. We had a prompt every day, so that's what she's referring to. She says, I'm still developing this skill, baby steps, but I'm coming around and spending a few minutes writing, praying, and having a time of reflection, just being quiet in my mind because I get easily distracted and overwhelmed. I am trying to be more grateful and more gracious and working through the struggle. Being in this challenge and being accountable helps me get unstuck and shift my mindset, giving me a perspective that helps me grow and let go of things I cannot control. All right. I wanted to share other people's comments because they would be reflected in my own experience. And I think it's so interesting to hear about this from other people. Everything that I just shared with you was an experience that I went through as well. And I'll be honest with you, like I'm gobsmacked. I can't believe that spending four minutes a day has really made such an impact in such a short amount of time. So I am now starting my day with intention instead of Instagram. That's like the best way that I can say that. And it doesn't mean I don't flip through Instagram later, but I am starting my day with intention instead of Instagram. And I want to really underscore, I am only writing for about four minutes, always fewer than five minutes. I mean, think about that. I am telling you that I am getting results, so to speak, with such a small investment. The real investment has been in consistency and being present for just that three to five minutes has made the difference for me. A few other observations that I wanted to share with you on the power of journaling for a few minutes a day, particularly in my case in the morning, is scrolling back and looking through this journal I was using. And I'm using the five minute journal, which I really, really like. And I'm going to link to that for those of you who would like to see what that looks like. But the five minute journal gives you prompts and you just have one page a day. And again, it takes just a few minutes. But I had not written anything in there since 2017. 2017. And I think in my last entry, I was in the Virgin Islands. And so I flipped back and I had almost like forgotten that entire experience. And I was able to reread my thoughts from every day on that beautiful trip. And it, just looking back in general is such a huge gift. There is another benefit to looking back. And this was reflected in Mandy's comments. It is so interesting to see what was top of mind. So I look back at 2016 and 2017 and I'm writing about food constantly. I'm writing about peace with food. I'm writing about my journey to food freedom and I'm writing about so many things then that are not present now. Now I'm writing about very, very different things. And that is really interesting and in a way rewarding to see. So I felt like that was a gift that past me gave to present me. And so now present me wants to leave that same gift for future me. <laughs> this exercise and this daily habit now is really just more 
like another thread in the fabric I am trying to weave toward a life of intention, if that makes sense. The other thing I wanted to share with you about this was it really did set my day off in a way where I was scanning the environment throughout my day for the beautiful or for something to be grateful about. I don't think this was conscious, but when you know you're going to be capturing three things that you're grateful for, for example, every single day, then your brain does this funny thing and searches for evidence throughout the day. Again, I think it's subconscious and I think I'm at risk of overstating it even by speaking it aloud, but there's something incredibly powerful about setting your mind and your heart on gratitude at the very beginning of the day and then letting your brain do the rest of the work throughout the day. I learned two tips, if you will, that I wanted to share with you. So the two most powerful sort of things besides the habit itself, the two most powerful tidbits that I can share with you from this experience are number one, Express gratitude for something you haven't received yet. That is a little bit of a mind trick, but when you can express in writing gratitude for something you haven't received yet and you can do it in the present tense, that acts like a very powerful magnet. And we could get into whether that is manifestation or whether that's just visualization and positive thinking, none of it matters. Try the exercise of expressing gratitude for something you haven't received yet. The other powerful, powerful tip that I wanted to share with you that I experienced in this exercise was ending every entry with an I am statement. And what I'm saying there is a statement that begins with the two words, I am, and then blank. For example, you might say, I am generous. I live in abundance. You might write, I am a force of nature. I am here to accomplish great things. You might say, I am loving and kind and compassionate. And today I will show up as loving and kind and compassionate for the people in my life. Whatever moves you, obviously, but the simple power of writing an I am statement or two and finishing your journal entry that way, no matter what you're writing in, no matter what template you're following, finishing that day's entry with an I am statement is a really powerful tool. Okay, so that concludes the 21 days of journaling. I can't wait to find out what challenge we're doing next. We won't do one in June of 2021 because we need a break, but we will do another one over the summer and we will vote on what that will be on my Instagram and on the Facebook page for these challenges. I also will link to the five minute journal for anyone who might be interested in that. Finally, I wanna tell you that a lot of you really enjoyed the 21 prompts. Even those of you who weren't writing in a journal, you enjoyed those 21 days of different prompts and thought starters. I am currently working on compiling those and getting them to you. So if you want that, you will definitely wanna be on my email list, which you can just get on via the, the website on airella.com. So more to come on that. I haven't figured it out yet. Okay, thank you to everyone who did that exercise with me. I love, love sharing these challenges with you. Now, let's talk about the bad. This week's bad is buying everything new. And a lot of you don't. A lot of you don't buy everything new. Doing the recent episode with Lisa Celebitis on decluttering, it really reinvigorating my love for not 
new things. <laughs> and it's true. She said this in the show, uh, that, that was the last episode. She said, once you declutter, you really are much more intentional about what you buy, whether it's kitchen things or items for your wardrobe to toys, etc. Once you declutter, it becomes so much easier to cull the buying habits because you're much more intentional about what you let in your home. I mean, it's really rather remarkable. Now, I reduced my fast fashion consumption for the most part about five years ago. I really tried to make an effort to not buy like disposable clothing, if you know what I mean. But I am a hundred percent not a role model there in any way. I still buy things from Amazon basically every single week. So I'm not exactly a bastion of sustainability and I'm not pretending like I am. But like I said, in recent years, I really have tried to stop buying 100% new 100% of the time. And I wanna share with you now my tips for buying previously owned items and where I find it not only easy, but better. I'm going to share four things. All right, the first thing is books. Now, I love a used bookstore, love them, but I don't have a good one where I live anymore, where we live now. And I just discovered an app called Libby, L-I-B-B-Y, and it might only work in the US, but I'll link to it. But you can use it to rent books from your local library. Are you ready for this? Including audiobooks. Again, this might only be in the US, check in your area, but I downloaded a virtual library card and then I had immediate access to free audiobooks. What do I love more than a podcast? A free audiobook. It was awesome and I suspect many of you already knew this, but I absolutely did not. Uh, libraries need to be rediscovered. <laughs> they also have textbook programs, by the way, and a lot of other amenities that a lot of us, well, I have lost sight of anyway. So used bookstores, libraries, and online libraries. And also, I love those free book exchanges that are increasing in popularity around neighborhoods and communities. And I am constantly taking books to like my neighbor's little book exchange box and, you know, taking three books and coming home with one. I am always here to support authors and buy books new, but I can read more books than I can buy. And so I love these additional options. All right, let's talk about clothes. And this is kind of obvious, but I'm not sure that it is pervasive. And that is the joy of a consignment shop. In many cities, the consignment shops offer a really a curated collection of previously owned, but get this, often not previously worn clothes, shoes, purses, belts, jewelry, and other accessories. I just found a new one nearby and I bought a pink bodysuit thingy that I not only would never ever have found otherwise because it came from, you know, some obscure boutique, but it still had its original tags. So think about it. A lot of people buy things that don't fit right or they receive them as a gift and they can't use them. So they'll take it to the consignment shop. And I am absolutely not afraid to buy things that have been previously worn. I got a really cute faux fur vintage crop jacket that again, I never would have found on my own, but was previously worn, previously owned. And I bought it in a consignment shop and it's just a super, super fun piece. But I love a consignment shop and the nicer the area, so go hunt one down. The nicer the area, the better the curated collection in the consignment shop. They're not junk shops. Like find a good one and make a fun day out of it. Go consignment boutique hunting. It's kind of fun. 
Okay, I have two more and I'm going to keep the next one really short. It's cars. I personally, a part of my financial management strategy and my intention to create financial independence and financial freedom as soon as humanly possible, <laughs> makes me allergic to buying new when it comes to cars. And that's not to say I've never done it, okay? I, again, I am not preaching to you. <laughs> I'm just sharing what is possible. And right now I have a beautiful white four series BMW that I bought used with only 11,000 miles on it, but it was four years old. I think the previous owner must have just driven to their mailbox and back, right? But because someone else owned it first, I paid a third, a third, okay? A better way to say that is I saved 67%. <laughs> when compared to a new one. So you have to be patient to make it happen, but that is tens of thousands of dollars that we're talking about. So I would consider, especially in a household that has two cars, I would consider buying one of them previously owned. It is never an investment. There's no return on that investment unless it's a vintage collectible. And I don't know about you, but I'm not driving a vintage collectible. And I just would encourage you to use a little bit of patience and your resourcefulness to buy at least one of your cars previously owned and save tens of thousands of dollars. Okay, last but not least, online marketplaces. This is one of my favorite ways to buy previously owned. I recently shared a video of my home gym on Instagram and I got several comments from you guys about my sauna, which was clearly visible in the video. And I have always wanted an infrared sauna. I've talked about the many, many benefits of them on the show and anyone who's ever shared my interest in infrared sauna know that they retail for several thousand dollars. And I was not just casually Amazon priming that to my house, if you know what I mean. So for me, enter Facebook Marketplace. There's Facebook Marketplace, there's eBay, there's Craigslist, there are many, many, many more. But if you can find one to two online marketplaces in your area, and again, they vary depending on where you are in terms of how good the stuff is, but scan for what you want. So I paid 75% less for my sauna and it had never even been unboxed by the original owner. It was still flat packed in the original sealed packaging. People end up moving or their circumstances change or whatever. So they are trying to get rid of things that you want and you can pay pennies on the dollar. I will also check Facebook Marketplace if I've gotten interested in a specific piece of home decor and I can search for it by like the exact criteria. For example, I found a side table at West Elm that I wanted and I typed it in and bought it for $40, $40 from someone who was moving. Um, I found an authentic mid-century modern dresser from a furniture restorer hobbyist who she would just acquire a few pieces at a time, restore them, and sell them on Facebook Marketplace. I was missing one piece to finish out an Ikea bookshelf, and they were on back order, stuck in a canal somewhere, and I looked for that item for I think one week and was able to buy it for 50% off of the retail price from someone, again, who was moving. So spend a little time figuring out which sites are best for your area and try searching in there before you pull the trigger on your next online purchase. So that's it for now, but tell me, what do you buy not new? And are there any tips that I left out? Shoot me a message and let me know. I'm going to share some photos of my favorite pre-owned purchases on Instagram. I wanna show you the pink flouncy thing that I just bought. <laughs> Maybe you can help me style it. I don't know what I was thinking. All right, let's talk about today's yummy. Today's yummy is matcha coconut lime balls. 
And I know you're like, God, I really hope Ella shares a lime ball recipe with me today. Well, get excited because today is your day for gluten-free, dairy-free, vegan, paleo-friendly matcha coconut lime balls. And this recipe comes from a site called Up and Alive, but it was created by a lady named Tracy Ariza, who I believe was creating a guest post. Anyway, I will give everyone full credit in the show notes and link to the actual recipe and their photos, etc. But let me just share the basic idea with you today. These are little treats that are naturally sweetened with the dates, which also help keep the whole mixture together. And they're super easy to make, obviously, otherwise we would not be talking about it. And they make really handy kind of go-to snacks and the matcha may or may not be kid-friendly. You can test that out or maybe add a little bit more dates or a splash of honey uh, if you want to sweeten it a little bit. But this is made very, very simply with one and a half cups of shredded coconut with a little bit of juice from a fresh lime and a little bit of lime zest, one tablespoon of matcha, eight dates or more as needed, and half a cup of almond flour. Now, of course, I'm going to give you the whole entire recipe, but again, the instructions are blend it, make a ball. I'll give you exact instructions on what order to blend it in in the recipe, but then you roll the mixture into balls or you can press it into those silicone molds if you wanna do something clever like shapes and then you just store them in the fridge. But I love a go-to snack. I'm a snacker. My name is Ella and I'm a snacker. And so I like just having these little healthy treats to keep around the house that satisfy my cravings, typically for something sweet with enough fat to satiate me. Okay, so I hope you like these really simple, easy recipes. Let me know if you make this. There's something kind of magical about the coconut and citrus. So the coconut-lime combo is a nice twist that might be a little bit different than what you are used to. As always, super interested to know if you try it and super interested to know if you like it. All right, that's it for the good, the bad, and the yummy this week. As always, I want to hear from you. And also, can I tell you the truth? I have a goal to get to 700 podcast reviews by the end of the year, and I need your help. I'm at a little over 600 now, and I want to get to 700 podcast reviews by the end of the year. So if you are at all interested in helping me meet that goal, I'll let you know how to do it. It's a pain, but it's only a pain for like 90 seconds, and you get my eternal love and devotion. I hope you have a good day wherever you are and whatever you're doing, because you are awesome. Okay, that's a wrap. I hope you enjoyed today's show and got something out of it that you can use. If you did and you want to learn more, find me on Instagram at onairwithella or open the show notes for this episode and get all the links at onairella.com. There's no whip. It's just onairella.com. Thanks for listening. Thank you for sharing the show. And thanks for inspiring me. You are quite simply awesome.